much for joining us today on episode number 181 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're talking all about running fast. Now, even if you might not really think that you're a fast runner, it's still sometimes important to push your limits and run faster because it has so many physiological benefits and it can make slower running even easier. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. All right, so today we're talking all about running fast. Now, those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know we talk about effort level training, and you know we talk about the benefits of running easy, slowing down your runs, being able to breathe very comfortably and talk during your run, making sure that you find that easy pace and all the benefits that that brings. And that is true. That really is one of the main keys to success in your running. Most people need to slow down more when they go out and start learning how to run. Yeah. I mean, that's like one of our fundamental principles is, Hey, are you running slow enough? Try a little bit slower. Right. And so running easy while it is very important is not the only piece of the puzzle. So we also have to sprinkle in other effort levels. So today we're talking all about hard effort levels and running faster because a lot of times when people come to us, they want to get faster, right? That's one of the very common things that we hear from people is like they want to improve their pace. They want to get faster. They want to be able to run longer, whatever it might be. And when you train by effort levels and when you train different effort levels and throw different combinations of effort levels into your training, that's when you reap massive benefits. Like, yes, running easy is fantastic. That should be 80% of your training. But when you start to put in the hard stuff, this is when it gets really fun and this is when you get very strong and faster. Right. I mean, one of the issues with effort-based training before you kind of really get into it is most people run 100% of their runs at like level five. Mm -hmm. And then some days they feel tired, so it's like a four. And some days they feel good, so it's a six. But it's always gray and in the middle. Right. So those of you that are new, sorry to interrupt you, but I just wanted to preface this a little bit. If this is the first time you've ever listened to our podcast and maybe you're not familiar with effort-based training, basically the the concept is when you go out and run, you ask yourself, how hard am I running right now? If I had to rate myself on a scale of 1 to 10 with 1 being super duper duper easy and 10 being all out super hard, how hard am I pushing right now? And that is known as your effort level or your rating of perceived exertion. That's, that's RPE. I, I like that you brought up, I mean, you know, for those of you who are new to the podcast, she is a doctor of physical therapy. So <laughs> super duper duper easy and rating of perceived exertion. She dropped both of them in the oh, same I, sentence. I can, I can just drop all sorts of vocabulary words. And both super duper duper easy <laughs> and RPE, both very con- like concrete medical terms. Welcome to Dr. Angie Brown <laughs> right here. <laughs> Yes, that is a medical term. So, okay, so back to effort levels. So the fundamentals, like what Kevin was saying with the effort levels. So whenever we talk about a six or like a level two, level four, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the rating of perceived exertion, which is just how hard does that run feel for you? And that's different for every single runner out there. That's why it's your effort level. Right. And it's different for everybody from, from one run to the next. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the big pitfalls that we talk about a lot is how most people fall in the middle and 
polarized training where you have easier runs that are substantially easier and then some but not a lot harder runs that are much harder actually ends up making the middle runs get faster most of your races end up kind of falling in that middle range Mm -hmm. and those all get faster and well that that's really kind of the goal i mean the last multiple training plans that i've i've been creating for our clients the goal that they've picked is i want to go faster Mm -hmm. so it's what a lot of people out there are trying to figure out is how do I go faster? And the answer is not always just pedal to the metal, grind it out every single day because right. that's how do I get hurt faster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but how do I actually run faster is a lot run easier. If you want a, a run easier episode, go back, I don't know, about a month or month and a half or so. A couple months ago. We've got a podcast on how to run easier and right. the point of that. But today, I, I, you know, to go Top Gun style, I feel the need. The need for speed. There you go. Speed. I am speed. Is Ooh. that is that a quote from something or just a meme that I like? I believe speed. I am speed is uh, what's the cartoon with the Wiley Coyote? No, the <laughs> the red sports car. Oh, cars. Cars. Thank you. Yeah, I know. It's one of those complicated names. Cars. <laughs> oh, Lightning McQueen says I'm that. Pretty sure that's Lightning McQueen's line. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, so what is fast? Okay, what is faster mean? What are we talking about when we're talking about? harder runs because like Kevin said again easy runs should be easy that's like a level two harder runs should be like levels seven through ten okay so that's kind of a a wider range it's a big range right seven through ten are very different level seven is very different from level ten um so it's not just one single level, but this is where we're going to start today. So we're going to go through and kind of explain what these different effort levels mean and how you need to use them in your training. Or maybe none at all. You know, some of you might not need to use all of these different levels and still get benefits by just sprinkling some of these in. Right. So when we first start working with people, and I mean, when we're going on the podcast here, we're saying, hey, this is like, if you're trying to experiment with something like effort-based running, try this on for size. If you haven't pushed to like the harder levels, don't try and nitpick between what's a 7 and 8 and a 9 and a 10. Just know that there's your middle range, there's much easier running, which is where most of your running should be, and then much harder running. Because 7 to 10 is really effort levels from what you could hold for like... 30-ish minutes if you were like really going and like you're going to collapse at the 30-minute mark to what you could hold for maybe like a minute. Yeah, that that's a very different range. It's a big range. Yeah, that's a very, very big. So like Kevin already alluded to, most runners when they go out and just start running, most people will rate their runs at around a level 5, sometimes a level 6 out of 10 as just like their normal runs. So most people do tend to go at that medium to moderate pace. And what we're saying is you need to stop putting all of your runs there. You need to make most of your runs, 80% of them, down at level two. If you've never experienced level two before, you need to find level two. Again, go back and listen to our podcasts about easy running, okay? Level two is really the key to success. Now, level seven through 10, the hard stuff that we're going to talk about, that's just fun for a lot, you know, and it's, it's one of those, it's, I think that a lot of runners don't venture into those levels very often, right? Like they might, if, if it's like a really hot day in the run, but like a lot of times I think that, you know, when runners say, oh God, I had the worst run today. It was an awful run. Then that's, that's what means that they got into that level seven 
eight maybe like you know if they just went out and just felt exhausted after their run where they kind of like accidentally fell into it like you yeah. point out if it was a really hot day like you didn't go out there and try and like hit crazy high end speed you were out there running and it was a super hot day and you just ended up at a point where you were super exhausted mm-hmm. what I'm talking like seven through ten is you're designing it to not be out there for such a huge amount of time where you're only running for a shorter period of time but you are purposely going at a much faster level yeah like level seven 30 minutes is pushing it because it's it's around like what you would race a 5k ish right and you know for some people that's under 20 minutes and for some people that's around 30 ish minutes and for some people racing a 5k is a 40 minute and it's a run walk combination then level seven is what you're pushing on the running portion Mm -hmm. of that because it still is a race and you're like okay i'm gonna run really really hard until I need this walking break and then I'm going to run really hard again and then take a walking break but you're still pushing because it's a race environment right so when you are in these higher levels it's we're not talking about just going and sprinting all out that as a hard run that's just that's not what it is right because there still needs to be some level of control because control helps to provide those physical benefits from that risk reward standpoint right like you when you're running fast it you are putting yourself at a higher risk of injury that's why these efforts like the the times that you're spending at these paces and at these effort levels are much shorter because it's not worth it for you to try to extend that much longer you're just putting yourself at too high of a risk for injury Right. I mean, it's the the running version of like lifting heavy weights. Like if you don't know what you're doing and you try and just start lifting crazy, crazy heavy weights, you're going to hurt something. You're going to rip a muscle. Same thing happens if you're like, I'm just going to go out and sprint for 10 straight minutes today. Like you could tear something if you're not doing this correctly or if you move yourself to a point where you're out of control. Like if you're Mm -hmm. running so fast that you completely feel out of control, it's it's time to be done with that interval and rein it back in so that you've got a little bit of you know that you know where your arms and legs are actually moving. Yeah, and it like it's funny because when you start to first play around with these effort levels, it does kind of feel sometimes like you're out of control, right? Because your arms and legs are moving much faster <laughs> than they ever have before. Like I know that I've felt that way before. Like when I've done these really short bouts of speed I'm like oh my gosh I can't believe they're even moving this fast yep. like you know and then it's it's like almost not it's not scary but it's just kind of like like exhilarating you know in a very crazy way you're like I can't believe my legs are moving this fast like ah you know like I hope that they don't just stop moving that's the thing, <laughs> like, when, you don't know what's going on when you run especially when you run this this fast you're kind of leaning forward like yeah. your head is out over your feet and if your feet don't continue going that fast you're literally going to face plant yeah and you kind of have this little bit of fear of like what if my feet don't keep moving this fast <laughs> oh god i am going to fall over like that's why if if i do this like on a track, it's nice to be able to veer off to the infield. If you do it, like we've got a nice uh, paved path by our house and it's nice to sort of veer off to the side where there's like grass that's not always cut real short because you veer off to the side and you just automatically slow yourself down. (laughs) It's nice. (laughs) Right. But so once you start speed of this intensity, it will feel strange at the beginning. Like I'm just going to warn you of that. You know, that's just what's going to happen. But you should never feel like you're completely out of control. Like there is still some level of control. It might feel like there's not, but you know there is. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's different than like... 
I don't enjoy running super fast downhill, especially if it's like rocky. Like there's some trails by my parents um, that it's like a really rutted out path because the the way that that hill happens to drain when it rains, it's just like rocks, just large rocks on the downhill. And it's pretty steep. So if you're going down this thing, you feel fairly out of control. And then there's almost like a U-turn that happens all of a sudden. And the ground is still big, giant rocks that you're running over. There's no traction. That's the out of control that I don't like. At full sprint, you kind of get this exhilarating, I'm right on the, the edge of feeling out of control Mm -hmm. but if i need to i could pull this back you're going downhill if you want to pull it back gravity still says no no no. we're going down the hill yeah that's not a fun place to to be in i don't like feeling out of control like that so definitely you shouldn't be feeling that way when it comes to speed training you should still feel like there is some level of control so why are we talking about this okay why is why are harder levels important to incorporate in your training now is this something that everybody should be doing? I think that's the first question, right? Like if you're just a recreational runner and you enjoy just going out and going for like a 30-minute run, 45-minute run, whatever it might be, is this something that we all should be incorporating into our training? Okay, I I argue yes because it's it's beneficial to have a variety of different workouts. Mm-hmm. Like even if you're not trying to get as fast as you possibly can and see the physical limits that you can push your body and mind to, like it's good from a, a just training perspective to put your body through different effort levels. Absolutely. And there are a whole slew of physical benefits and mental benefits of training at harder levels. And that's what we're going into right now. So number one, when you train at a harder effort level, you are training your body for power and for explosiveness, okay? So basically the way the body works is you have muscles and inside your muscles there are different muscle fibers and those are just kind of bundled together. There's bu- different bundles of muscle fibers that all work together that are controlled by a nerve or a neuron, okay? So when your brain sends that message from your brain down to your muscles to tell those muscles to fire there's a certain strength of that message, okay? When you start to train at higher speeds, when you start to train for power and explosiveness, the same thing goes for weightlifting, like Kevin was saying before. Like when you are lifting heavier weights, it's like if you're trying to lift something really heavy, like a car, right? Like you've seen videos of like people lifting cars off of like other people or other cars, like that, you know, and feats of... Yeah, Her- the, heroics, grandma, right? Grandma saves her grandson because yeah. she lifts the car off of him. But yes. like, I mean, I've seen, I saw a video, I don't know, a couple months back where like there was like a pedestrian or a biker got hit by a car and all of these guys started running over and literally lifted this car up off of this guy, right? The one guy was trying and then all the other guys came running and all, all did it together, right? So if you're trying to lift something really heavy, it's much more helpful to have a lot of people trying to lift that object. Same thing goes with your muscles versus, you know, instead of just one muscle fiber firing and trying to lift that thing, it's helpful for that muscle fiber to get all of his buddies to come and help to lift that thing that's going to to be more helpful. So that is what we call muscle recruitment. Like that one muscle fiber recruits like the surrounding muscle fibers to all fire at the same time to get the job done. So the same thing goes with running, okay? When you are running at higher speeds with higher um effort levels needed, higher speed levels needed, you need to recruit more muscles to fire all at the same time 
to actually give you that power, that speed, that explosiveness. That's an excellent metaphor there. Thank you. Yeah, that's nice. Because most people don't realize they're like, okay, well, I'm running and so my calves are going. It's like, well, you've got thousands of individual muscle fibers millions, in there. Millions lots. of individual muscle fibers mm-hmm. in there. And they're not all firing because they don't all need to fire when you go slowly jogging down the road. Mm -hmm. But when you take off sprinting, they're like, whoa, I am not capable of doing this. Hey, buddy, next to me, wake up. Let's all go together Mm because apparently we're going fast today. Right, exactly. And so there's a couple different things at play. There's the strength of the signal from your brain to your muscle. That's the neuromuscular connection, neuromuscular. And then there's also the power of how many muscle fibers are contracting all at the same time and these are related to each other absolutely okay so like the the louder the brain screams the more muscles will eventually try and get themselves right so what what can happen is that one neuron can recruit more muscle fibers and then that one neuron can also like the brain can also start firing more neurons to hit more muscle fibers excellent so it it fires off like that muscle and then it wakes up the neuron next to it and says hey you should also get your crew to come help (laughs) yes yeah perfect yeah like i've got my crew we're all working Come on, buddy. Yeah, it's like, so it's not just one more muscle fiber. It's in a whole other group of muscle fibers. A whole fibers. band of yeah. muscle fibers all come in. We're getting the band back together. <laughs> Perfect. This one goes to 11. Excellent. How many movie references can we get on this episode? <laughs> okay. So that's one of your phenomenal um, physical benefits is you, in fact, um, build more power and you build more explosiveness. It's... I like to think of training, especially when you go at really high speeds, it's sort of like strength training on its own. It's not individually isolating muscles like you can kind of get in direct strength training. It's strength training with body weights because you have to physically move your body in faster forms. I don't think it replaces strength training at all. So are you saying like it, it's like full body, like compound movements? Yes. Like functional strength training? It's kind it's of? kind of like really fast plyometrics is my argument. Okay. Because running is, you know, jumping from foot to foot. Mm-hmm. You're just doing it really fast. But since you have to go so fast and you have to recruit all the fibers, that I think that it's really good functional strength training. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the whole concept behind HIIT training, right? Like yes. So most people, like if you're into fitness nowadays, Days, like you've probably heard the term HIT training, which is H I I T, high intensity interval training. HIT training. You can do HIT training with running as well. It's the same concept, right? So the the concept behind HIT training is that you go really hard for a short period of time in order to build that power and the explosiveness, whether that's burpees or jump squats or um, box jumps. Like like you said, plyometrics. A lot of times are the exercises that are used in HIT training because they are those powerful explosive types of exercises you can do the same thing with sprinting you know you can still do the same thing with running or you can combo it and do crazy sprint and then do like a set of burpees and then do a crazy sprint like you can go back and forth on these things also right the running can just be one of the intervals that you use exactly within the hit yeah i did that a few years ago with the kids on the track team i tried to just do the running and all their cardio was so good and their speed was not like, because I tried to do it with like the distance runners who were trying to become like 800 meter runners on, during track season. And so we were doing like 20 second all out bursts and they were never getting their speed fast enough to get tired. So they were just like, this is the easiest workout we've ever done. I'm like, you, 
All right, we got to figure out how to make you guys run faster. Burpees! <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that's exactly like we, we added the, the extra strength into it. And then, and then they hated you. Yeah. I, or we were only <laughs> doing it across grass. Like you couldn't do it on the track anymore. I'm like, we need a hill that we can do this off of. Because hill repeats is a good example of this also. Yep. So when you incorporate HIIT training or speed training in your running, that's basically what you're doing is you're increasing the physical recruitment of the muscles and the neurons and the whole body system to respond more quickly. That's fantastic. And it has amazing payoffs because then by training at this much higher speed, your slower speeds, your slower paces then feel easier and require even less effort because now all your muscles like to kind of fire together. So when you've got the whole crew all trying to get you to run, they don't tire out as fast. Right. Like, because they're all actually working. You try and get, like, a band of muscles in your calves to actually go or in your, you know, hamstrings or whatever it is to actually fire. And instead of, like, a couple of the fibers going, you've got hundreds or thousands of them firing, and you just don't tire out as fast because everybody's working together. Exactly. So whenever you recruit more muscles, it is going to make your easier running easier. So this is why when you train at higher speeds, you actually feel like the easier paces are now easier. I know I feel this way after my speed workouts, like for sure. Like, And it's funny because my running friends and I always kind of laugh about this, like how when we go out on our run in the morning, like before we do a speed workout, our warm up, like our legs are dead. It's, you know, 545 in the morning. Um, We're all kind of still half asleep. Our legs are just not moving. Right. So we're hitting that, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of times our warm ups are around like 10, 10, 30 pace. Right. And there our legs just don't want to cooperate. Then we stop, we do a little bit of stretching. Then we do our speed workout. So we're hitting those higher end paces and then our cool down, same route on on the way back to our cars, we're, you know, we're running at like 930 and it feels so much easier than it did. It's like we had to pull ourselves back, you know, like you, it feels easier at a faster pace after your speed work, even though our legs are tired at that point too. As long as you don't completely bury your legs. Yeah. Like I, I. I have had this experience where the cooldown feels fantastic, and I'm like, I am barely moving on my cooldown. And then I check the watch afterwards, and I'm like, I definitely went faster on the cooldown than the warm up. Yeah. College did not have that sensation all the time. <laughs> like, my warm up was pretty brisk, and my cooldown was whatever I could possibly do that I made it back to school mm-hmm. because we would work out at the park that was three miles away. So the cooldown was you had to get back to school, mm-hmm. and that, that's all there was to yeah, it. Yeah, you just had to get back. <laughs> well, and that's true, you know, and it depends on the workout that you do too, right? Like if you're going out and you're doing like a tempo workout or you're doing like 5K, 10K type pacing, like you're – legs aren't going to be shot by the end. You know, like if you're doing the higher end speeds where we're looking at like those level eight, nine, 10, where we're doing like 200 meter repeats, 400 meter repeats, those kinds of things, that's a different story. Like your go, your legs are going to be much more fatigued after those kinds of workouts. Yeah. What is, what's the intensity? What's the volume? And we'll get into some examples on this as, as we go along, but let's, let's keep talking about benefits. A third physical benefit here is increased coordination. Like you actually run more efficiently. Like your arms and legs move with better coordination because at higher end speeds, it's much more critical that you don't have arms flailing all over the place because they're going to slow you down. But the thing is, is that running at a faster speed is not just going to be a magic pill. It's like, oh, well, if I just sprint all the time, my form will fix itself. No, if you sprint all the time with really bad form, you're going 
going to get hurt, but you can fix it and you can fix it more efficiently by running at faster speeds than by trying to fix it on like slow, relaxing runs all the time. Right. And that's one of the reasons we throw strides into a lot of our athletes runs. And we'll talk about those later, but this is true, right? Increased coordination. And if if you've ever tried to slow yourself down, right? This is one of the common complaints that we hear when we first introduce easy running to people that have never experienced level two easy running before is like, I just don't know how to move my body anymore. <laughs> like they find it so difficult to run slowly because they naturally, when they're at that level five, six, you just have improved coordination. That's why your body likes to fall into that because it just feels right. It It just feels better. It feels smoother. Right. So you have to actually work on your form and your coordination at slower speeds in order to do that effectively. So it would make sense then by pushing harder, you're just naturally going to have better form because your body can't waste energy trying to stabilize or like Kevin said if your arms are flailing or your legs are whipping back and forth like you're going to have to save more energy to try to run faster so your your coordination will improve right so if you have form and you, you've seen yourself running before, maybe you videotaped yourself or people have suggested different fixes on your form. I suggest when you go on faster form, pick an aspect, a single aspect and focus on that. Like maybe it's that you're going to stand with appropriate posture as you run. Maybe it's that you're not going to let your arm flick out to the side. I know that was an issue I had when I got running. That's an issue that our daughter has because she apparently inherited it from me that her one arm just flicks out to the outside every once in a while. Maybe it's the way that your foot lands instead of landing hard on your heel you're going to want to land with your foot actually underneath you pick one aspect of your form and think about that as you go quickly yes so in addition to the physical benefits there are also a lot of mental benefits of running this fast and it pushing into these harder levels and number one is it's just fun when you do it in moderation like it kind of makes you feel like you're a kid again that's one of the things you know those of you that have maybe gone through one of our previous five-day challenges where we introduced strides and those kinds of things that's one of the things that people said they love the strides they, they felt like they were a kid again it just kind of opened them up it felt so free and it just felt so much fun like they it's just fun to run fast sometimes. And I don't think that we do that a lot typically. No, because when you're out there and you're like, oh, I have to go run for 30 minutes. And you, you put that have to on the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, I have to go for 30 minutes. So I can't go fast because I'll never be able to make it. So I guess I'll just slide into this pace because this will get me to the finish line. And it takes the excitement out of it. Well, and I think that a lot of times runners have it in their heads that they have to have a certain number of miles to make the run worthwhile. Yeah, so, good one too. you know, that's one of the things that's one of the big pieces of resistance a lot of people have towards this kind of speed training, right? Because like we're going to talk about in a little bit, when you are going at faster intensities, you have to pull back on the volume. <laughs> like it's just, it's just what happens. And so I know that I've had a lot of pushback from like some of my running buddies. They're like, well, I have to get five miles in. And I'm like, well, this workout's only three and a half. Yep. And they're like, well, but, uh, you know, and I'm like, well, it's because it's really hard. That's what the workout that's is. That's what the workout is. You're not going to want five. Right. And I know that I've had this too. Like I definitely had it in my head that like I need to run for five miles. I got to get that in in order to like 
have my Tuesday. That's just what it needs to be. <laughs> otherwise, it's not Tuesday. And otherwise, it's not Tuesday. Yeah, and I mean, I've got this also in training for longer races. It's like, okay, well, I want to have a faster run, but I got to make sure I'm hitting like a certain weekly mileage. And yeah. I keep a ballpark idea of, of what it is. So if I get too much speed in, then it's tough to keep the mileage up, which is why these faster things get sprinkled into mm-hmm. your, your overall training plan. Right, and it also depends on what distance of a race you're training for. Exactly. All right. So one of the other mental benefits is it helps open up new possibilities and just really allows you to ask new questions. When the interval is only 30 seconds long and you're like, okay, I can push this fast for 30 seconds. And it turns out at 20 seconds, you just blow up and you're done. That's not a big deal. Like, it's not like it's some 5K race where you're out there and you've committed this huge amount of time interval to it. You were going to go for 30 seconds. You made it 20. Take a rest break and give it another shot. Like, mm-hmm. you can immediately get back into it and give it another try. It didn't ruin, like, a, a five- to eight-minute-long interval. Right. And the other thing about it, too, is that when you start believing that things are possible, then that just opens up a whole new world. Because so many people are like, I can't run that fast. Or I'm a slow runner. Or all these labels that they want to put on themselves. And then they're like, wait what was that pace that I just saw on my watch? You know, yep. like, did that just start with an eight? Did that, did that just start with a seven? Did that just start with a six or a five? Like, oh, well, it was only for 10 seconds. Yeah, but you still did but it. But you still did it. Yeah. If you trained a little bit, how much longer could I maybe hold that pace? You know, so it starts to open up these new ideas of, of new possibilities and new beliefs of like, huh, maybe these stories that I've been telling myself all this time aren't exactly true. Excuse the interruption, but I just had to pop in and let you know about an upcoming workshop that we're hosting inside the Real Life Runners Academy. If you're someone that's ever struggled with thoughts or beliefs that are getting in your way, or you think you're self-sabotaging yourself and you can't understand why you're doing things that you don't want to do or not doing things that you know you should be doing or want to be doing, this message is for you. We're hosting a special academy workshop May 14th, and we're bringing in an expert in neuro-linguistic programming, Ms. Megan Blacksmith. And she's going to be teaching us how the thoughts that we have can either be helping us in our life or holding us back. And we want to invite you, our amazing podcast listeners, to join us. So you don't have to be a member of the Academy to join us this month. You can join for a small one-time fee by going over to realliferunners.com forward slash workshop. If you are a current Academy member, this and all of our monthly workshops and all experts, that's all already included in your current membership. So if you are a current member, do not go to the website and repurchase because it's already included with your membership. But if you want to join just for the workshop, check it out over at realliferunners.com slash workshop today. Now, back to the show. Right. When you literally, when you take the, um, the limits off. You're like, all right, I'm just going to run. Especially mm-hmm. people who like throw the GPS watch on and they're like, I'm just going to go from here to like that light pole and just see what happens. And they've been telling themselves that they're a slow runner for the last decade. Yeah. And suddenly they look down at their watch and they're like, whoa, wait, I hit, 
I hit what pace? Mm-hmm. Like it's numbers that never even seemed fathomable. And suddenly yeah. you hit it. And it's like, yeah, you did it for a small period, but you did do it. And would a slow runner have been able to achieve that pace? Mm-hmm. No, it, like, it's, they're diametrically opposed. You can't be slow and run super fast paces. You literally can't do both of those things simultaneously. Right. So it's kind of fun because if you allow it to, it really can start to shift your identity as a runner, which is a really good thing. And some people will see that number and just completely blow it off, right? That's what that's one choice that people make. But we suggest you don't make that choice and kind of say, oh, look at that. Look what I just did, right? Even going back to our episode last week of becoming an observer, right, to, yes. to what happens and to a, an observer to how your running is going. Um, and the other cool thing about shorter intervals is that you can start to work on the messages that you're telling yourself in that time, right? Like running fast does not always feel good, right? Like it, it is painful in newer, new weird ways, right? <laughs> like, like a lot of us are used to like that kind of burning, aching, dull, like fatigue that kind of comes on, you know, yes, a couple sl- miles into our run. The slow, dull fatigue that yeah. just gradually keeps building. You, you hear it coming. Yeah. You're like, oh, there it is. It's subtle. Yeah. And then a mile later, it's a little less subtle and it just keeps coming. <laughs> when you're going at high end speed, it's a lot less subtle. Oh no, your muscles are screaming at you. <laughs> like they're not just like, it's not just like a small choir. They're like full out alarm. Yeah, no, the alarms are going and you know that you're not going for that long. You know that you're not really hurting yourself as long as you you follow some some proper advice here and right don't like stabbing pains again no good yeah but you know that if you're going just for a short period of time and you are staying in control that this is a good thing and so you can try and block that out you don't have to block it out for five minutes try blocking it out for 30 seconds and then maybe block it out for 45 mm-hmm. like you can experiment with how long can i resist that sensation in my legs yeah like one of my favorite mantras when things start to get hard is i can do anything for a minute or i can do anything for 30 seconds like 30 seconds is not going to kill me like right so i just like when i start screaming like when things are st- starting to scream at me. I'm just like, I can do anything. I'm only running for 30 seconds here. Yeah. I mean, I, I know when I go like up on a treadmill, I just start breaking it down into how many laps of the track do I have mm-hmm. left? All right. I only have to go one time around the track. Like once it's down to one lap, yeah. I can hold this pace. And sometimes it's, that's too much. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, I can hold this pace and I'm literally visualizing running around the track as I'm watching it count down the last quarter mile. It's like, okay, this is fine. We're going to do it hundred meters at a time. And I, I will on the treadmill, if you watch me from behind, I'll lean to the left. Like I'm starting to turn the, like, and like around the turn we got until I've gone 0.07 on the treadmill and straighten it back up down the back stretch. Arms are going like perfect form. Like I am visualizing that whole thing. Cause once I hit 200 meters to go, I'm not stopping. Like I'm making the last 200 meters. Mm-hmm. I have learned that since I was 14. It's 200 meters to go. You get to the finish line. Yeah. No matter how you get there, you get to the finish line. Right. And the funny thing is when you start training this way, it actually can spill over into your longer races. Like when things start getting hard in that half marathon or in that 5K or in that 10K or whatever race you're you're running. And you can just shift to, well, I can do anything for a minute. And then your brain says, well, you have a lot more than a minute to start running. You're like, yeah, but I'm not focusing on that. Right <laughs> now I'm just focusing on, I can do this for another minute. Yeah. Right? And so then you can start to break down longer runs and start to bring in some of these mental strategies that you learn 
through this other type of training. Yes, the the mantra, I can do anything for a minute. And then a matter of how many times can you repeat that mm-hmm. over the last several miles of a marathon or a half marathon? <laughs> yeah. Because eventually your brain's going to be like, sure you can, but it's not a minute. And it it's going to keep trying to tell you that message of, yes, you can do anything for a minute, but you have 45 of them left. And and that's where we've got an issue. And, you know, you still just keep telling you the message. There are more strategies that you bring in then. We're not worried about 45. We're worried about the next one. Mm-hmm. I can stay with that person in front of me for the next one minute. Yep. I can I can hold this pace to the next water stop. Like, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you just start chunking things down. Right. It starts with really small chunks when you're doing high-end speed, but you can expand it to longer things when you're doing longer races. Right. And this is, like, goes back to that whole idea that, like, every run has a purpose, right? You're, there are mental strategies that you can learn in every single run that's the whole point of training and doing all these different things right when you start to challenge yourself with different runs and different paces and different distances and all of these different things you start building up an entire arsenal of like mental ammunition so that when stuff gets hard you're like oh yeah I got this that one didn't work today okay I got this one for you know like you just start to pull things out and and you've got so many new tools Plus, your body's just so much stronger. So you're not going to need all of those mental strategies as early. As early. Certainly not. I mean, they will come up and you keep pushing yourself. They will always come up. The mental strategies are useful. <laughs> yep. Um, but, you know, you, you hope that you don't need them until at least the back half of the race. Exactly. Okay, so let's talk about how to do this safely, okay? Because we're not just going to say, you guys should be doing levels 7 through 10 and then not give you any information because that's not very responsible of us either. No, no, we don't need any emails of like, and we're all broken. Right. No one likes those emails. Well, okay. So, I mean, the easy solution is to join the Real Life Runners training team and get a plan from us that we create so that you know it's safe and you know you're doing all of the right things. Well, yeah. Then you get the speed just gently sprinkled in and it depends on how used to speed you are. Mm-hmm. Like that's a key component is, yeah. have you done this before? Have you done it recently? Like, oh yeah, no, I've definitely done some high-end speed because I was a sprinter in high school. Oh yeah. How old are you? 50. Well, you might want to gradually ease yourself back into it. Yeah. Your body's a little different now, and we can take that into consideration. And and you can take that into consideration because you know the speed, you remember the sensation of it, but... And there is a such thing as muscle memory, for sure. Totally. But you got to make sure that you get back into it appropriately. Right, exactly. So if you're not a part of our training team, we invite you to come join it. We would love to be your coaches. You can find out more information over at realliferunners.com forward slash team. So... How are you supposed to do this slowly? Now, again, don't take this as any sort of medical advice. Don't take this as coaching advice. If you're on our team, then we're your coaches. If you're not on our team, then we're not your coaches. But we like to be your virtual advice givers. Your virtual advice givers. (laughs) All right. We're just going to talk generally, okay? Some of these things may apply to you. Some of them won't. But these are just general guidelines of how to do this safely. All right. Perfect. One. You need to warm up. You cannot... I don't like all my disclaimers. I, yeah, your disclaimers are great. I'm just kidding. <laughs> your disclaimers right. are really great, but they're, they're dull. <laughs> they are so dull. All right, so how to do this safely. Number one. You have to warm up. Yeah. You can't go from, you know, sitting in at work all day long and decide, okay, now it's time to work out. Time to sprint. Like, Level seven. You need a warm-up period. Yeah. This is going to consist in some easy running, some, some drills where you're, you're increasing your range of motion. 
and then maybe some strides where you gradually transition from running at an easier pace to running at a faster pace. Now, every year I try to explain strides to our new cross-country runners, and they all look at me confused, and then I point to you. So can you help explain what a stride is? A stride is faster running, but it's not an all-out sprint. There you go. Yeah, and, and those of you that are inside our, our training team, we have videos for all of these things. So just go into the uh, Strength Academy and you can find videos of all of our drills, all of our strides, all of these warm-ups for you. They're all, we have videos of all of it for you. Right. But a nice way of thinking about strides is to progress your speed from basically where you are to the level that your workout is going to be at. So you do like some shorter running, like 10 to 20 seconds where you build from the slow up to whatever your required speed is. Maybe today you're going seven. Maybe today you're going 10. So if you're going 10, your warm is going to take longer as you gradually transition of like, all right, let's get my speed up to a seven. And then I'm going to take a little walk and break. And now let's get it up to a nine and then take a break. Eventually get it to the pace of your work. Right. Um, Another thing that it's important to keep in mind when you're doing hard effort levels is that you are going to need much longer breaks. So this means that your workouts are going to take longer, but they're also going to be shorter, like we talked about. Like you're not going to be getting in the same amount of mileage that you would if you were just to go out on an easy run, most likely. But or, or even you might, okay, like sometimes like some of my workouts, they are the same mileage, like that my workout of the day might be, say, quarter repeats where I'm doing 12 quarters, that's three miles, and then I do a warm up and a cool down. So I'm still getting five miles in, but those five miles take longer because of all of the breaks that are needed in between the intervals. Right. And your breaks... In general, and especially the faster you go on the fast portion, your brakes are generally not jogging, okay? Especially if you're new with this. Like, if you are new to this and you're using speed as, as like, I really want to see what kind of higher-end speeds I can push to, walk on your brakes is is generally a good advice. There is certainly time for jogging. I don't know if you want to kind of get into that one, but there's there's a time and a place for jogging. I think in general, walking, the faster you go. Right. The faster you go, it's important because when you are going at level eight, level nine, level 10, I mean, there's very few times we use level 10 in our training um, for distance runners. But when you're up in those higher end speeds, you need recovery and you're not going to want to jog. You know, right. like if you are pushing appropriately, this is what I usually tell people is like, they're like, well, I, I felt like I could jog. And I'm like, then you didn't push hard enough. Yeah, then that like, wasn't eight. That wasn't an eight. Like when you run a level eight, level nine, like you need, you need to like, I mean, I sometimes like stop and put my hands on my knees because depending on how long I just held that effort, like I am wiped, you know, and, and I need that recovery where I'm not doing anything or not expected to do anything. Right. It's so, I mean, I do quarter repeats around our neighborhood and it's just a, it's a quarter mile down. And then I walk like 15 steps and I turn around and walk 15 steps back and I've reached my, my starting line and Mm -hmm. I, I head back and it's just a slow walk, like a real slow 15 steps and then 15 Mm -hmm. steps back. It's, it's not trying, you're not trying to get any sort of cardio out of your recovery. You're trying to recover. Okay. And the faster you go, the more recovered you want to feel before you start your next rep. Right. So the, the next thing that we want to point out is that the faster intervals don't last that long, right? So if you're up in like level seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, they should be getting shorter and shorter and shorter every time you do it, depending on the workout you're doing. I mean, like a level seven, like we said, that's 
usually like a 5k race pace, 5k race effort. So you should be able to sustain that pace at level seven for 3.1 miles. That's the ideal, right? So you might do mile repeats or half mile repeats at that. So you're sustaining those for several minutes. But if you're into level eight, level nine, where you're doing like 200 meter repeats or even 100 meter sprints, like those kinds of things, you are having much shorter bouts of faster training because you just can't sustain high end efforts for that long. It's impossible to do so. No, by the time you get to level 10, you're really maxing out somewhere around like 30 seconds. Yeah. Like, and you're not even, I would argue less than that. Right. I don't, you're also not starting there. Like if you're like, ah, I wonder how long it could last at 10, try 10 seconds Mm -hmm. at 10 and see how that goes. Well, you also have to ramp up to it too, right? right? Cause like when you first start the interval, you're not automatically at a level 10. No. Like you, you go from like one to 10 quickly quickly and then but then how long are you actually sustaining 10 exactly right? yeah so it's it's not much i know when i push really really fast which usually shows up sometime during track season it lasts for 200 meters mm-hmm. which is somewhere around 30 ish seconds right exactly so keep that in mind okay the workouts are going to probably be, last a little bit longer because of the required rest breaks you need to take rest breaks you need to take have shorter intervals involved and again if you don't want to figure any of this out we can help with that as a part if you want to join the team yeah all right so the big takeaway here is this training is great as long as you are smart and you use your speed training wisely. Yeah. It's not suddenly a, oh, I, I heard on a podcast that you should run fast. Yeah. So now every one of my runs during the week is going to see how fast I can go. And if you say that, do not mention the name of our podcast <laughs> because we did not tell you that. No, we told you not. that you should start to sprinkle this in slowly, no more than once a week if you are new to this. Yeah. And I mean, if you're really new to it, I'd argue that this is kind of like a every couple of weeks sort exactly. of thing, especially depending on what you're training for. Mm-hmm. Like you are probably not training to run the fastest, like half mile of your life. You don't need a lot of super high end speed. Level seven can come in on a regular basis. Yes. 10 rarely shows up for longer distance training. Very it just really rarely. doesn't. It, it shows up for fun. Like we pointed out. It can be a lot of fun to sometimes mm-hmm. just let loose every once in a yeah. while. Yeah, especially if you like have a running friend or something, oh, and the yeah. team you decide to just like sprint it out Let's at the end of your run. Go or, for yeah, it! Yeah, why not? Like, because it's fun. Okay, so add it in slowly. Even once you get to a point where you're used to training this speed, you still would put it in maybe twice a week max, and those are going to be like level seven a couple of times a week. And that's that would still be like your maximum. And that's assuming that you're running many more times a week than that. Like if you're running three days out of the week, two of them probably shouldn't be speed sessions. No. No, like, that, that's not the right ratio. No, your your ratio, we, we mentioned this towards the top on, on the whole effort training, 80% of your runs should be at the easy, easy level. Right. And yeah, your warm-up and cool-down off of a speed session counts into that easy session also. But still, the speed should not be a, a daily or an every workout occurrence. Right. And understand that with speed training comes higher risk of injury, okay? So if you are prone to tendon problems, if you are have a history of muscle tears, you have to be even more careful of speed training because if you already have vulnerable muscles that have torn in the past or that you've strained in the past, those muscles are going to be more likely to tear or strain again if you don't do this properly, okay? If you start to push too hard, if you start adding in too much of this and the load, your training load gets too, too high, that's not a good thing, okay? If you have a history or a tendency towards tendon issues, 
issues, tendon issues, like tendinopathies, tendinitis, those kinds of things, loading your tendon is important, but it depends on what phase of the rehab process you're in as well. Okay. So if you have a recent injury, do not just go out and start adding speed and make sure that you are under the direction of a physical therapist, of a coach, of somebody who knows what they're doing so they can help you get into this safely. Yes. Yes. Excellent point. Um, and then, you know, you have to remember, even though some of these intervals are super short, like 30 seconds that we suggested, you don't have to immediately start with 30. Like if you're not used to speed, gradually build up to that. But I think the big picture here is speed play. Well, it has some amazing mental and physical benefits that we've gone over should also just be fun. As long as you are correctly listening to your body so that you get the, the benefits out of it and not breaking yourself down out of it. Exactly. Have some fun with it. Yeah, we don't want to create any more injured runners okay that's the last thing we want that's the whole point of why we started this podcast and why we started our company to um, help coach runners to run longer and not get injured okay so speed work can injure you when done incorrectly but so can running you know so can regular running very good point so this is why it's important this is why you are so smart for listening to podcasts and educating yourself and trying to figure out better ways to train yourself better ways to get faster better ways to get you know run longer without getting hurt without feeling so tired all the time like you are the smart ones listening to these podcasts so thank you for educating yourself. And if this show helped you, please share it with a friend. You know, like sometimes we see our running buddies out there and they're doing things and you're like, what in the world are they doing? You know, but you don't really feel comfortable saying like, hey, guess what? You're doing it wrong. Just be like, hey, you know what? I was listening to this really awesome podcast. Maybe you should take a listen. There you go. We'll let them know they're doing it wrong. (laughs) We don't have a problem with that. So anyway, go out there, throw some speed into your routine, have some fun with it, but be careful and be safe in the process. That way you can keep having fun with it. Absolutely. All right, guys. So thank you so much for joining us. As always, we appreciate all the time that you spend with us. And we really appreciate when you leave us a review on iTunes and when you share this podcast with a friend, because we love to spread our message that you can be a runner no matter what your age, no matter what your experience, that if you run, you are a runner, plain and simple. All you have to do is tell yourself that and then train the right way by training your mind, body, and skills for success. That is what our Real Life Runners training system is all about. So as always, guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. This has been the Real Life Runners podcast, episode number 181. Now get out there and run your life. Hey, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, you have to come check out the Real Life Runners training team. It's our monthly coaching program where we take all of this material, we apply it, and we take it to the next level. We teach you how to train your mind, body, and skills for true and lasting success in your running and your life. We offer customized training plans, live coaching calls, and one-on-one coaching along with our proven system to help you transform into the runner you want to be and achieve your goals. Come join our team over at realliferunners.com forward slash team and start to truly run your life. We'll see you there. If you're ready to have more fun and achieve the goals that matter to you without sacrificing the rest of your life in the process, this message is for you. Maybe you're feeling confused or frustrated because you're not making the progress you want, even though you're running three times per week or more. 
Maybe you're feeling tired or sore all the time because you're pushing harder every day trying to get better. Maybe you want to run longer, but every time you run a couple of miles, that nagging knee pain starts to act up again. Maybe you've been told that you should probably stop running so much because you're getting older, but you refuse to accept that and want to find a way to continue to improve in your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Maybe you just feel like you're winging it every day and want to start working towards a goal. You want to feel better and be able to make progress in your running as you get older. And if you're like us and the other runners we work with, you want your running to help you become stronger and more resilient in all other areas of your life too. Plus, you need something that fits in your real life that is simple, easy to understand, and effective. Don't worry, we've got you. If you're ready to transform into a strong, confident, and successful real-life runner, the Real Life Runners Academy has everything you need. It includes training plans, coaching, and programs that will teach you how to run faster, run longer, feel better, and accomplish your goals. Check it out today over at realliferunners.com forward slash academy. Enrollment will be opening soon, so be sure to join the wait list so that you can be notified when doors are open. It's time to run your life.